You're listening to My Matters, where counseling culture is our mission. Today and all this month, we're talking to both professionals and lay people on the subject of grief. Today, our guest is Fran Solomon, who is the founder of a nonprofit organization called HealGrief.org. Rita Schulte is here with us, and for this weekend, next week, we'll be featuring her book, Shattered, Finding Hope and Healing Through the Losses of Life. Rita, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on your own grief. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was after you wrote Shattered that you experienced the ultimate grief. Your your dedication in Shattered reads to your husband, and this really touched me when just reading it again. Um, and your kids. Um, May the words of my heart sustain you through the losses of life. Not long after your husband Mike took his life, how have the words from your heart in Shattered sustained you? and your kids through this loss? Well, I think it would best be summed up if I just read you a a little piece of of the book. I mean, I said it, this is how how it sustained me. I think um, it's about transformation, a changing and molding of the heart. And in order for this transformation to occur, we must first be willing to grant God a window into our souls. If we're faithful to stay the course, our transformation will flow from two sources. The choices we make about how we'll handle our pain and our willingness to be personally responsive to how God's leading us through this journey of brokenness. Our first challenge then is to obtain a decided heart. That means we must choose whether what's happened to us will be the most important part of our story or whether it will be what happened in and through us in response to our loss. If we choose the former, we will be tempted to define ourselves through the dark and cloudy lens that loss engenders. This can lead to self-pity, regret, bitterness, even addictive behavior to hide our pain, thus hindering our growth and movement. But if we choose the latter, we will enlarge our capacity for God to work in our hearts, and we will be willing to accept the darkness in order to embrace the light, for both are intrinsically woven with loss. If we find the courage to choose this path, the most important part of our story will be yet to come. And that was basically what I did. That's um, that's it's very moving, and um, it's um, I I I know you, and I I got to know Mike just a little bit, but um, that that honors him uh, in in a lot of ways too, doesn't it? Yes, thank you, thank you. I I think grief is a wilderness journey. I mean, it's like someone took a sledgehammer to your soul, and It takes time. It takes process, but it also takes deciding, right? I I wanted to redeem the loss, and that was a huge motivator for me. And for you as well, Fran, you know, you wanted to do something about it, and that's what you did. I love the term redeem the loss. Mm -hmm. Um, That, that, I never heard it put quite that way. Um, love that term. Yeah, redeem the loss. Like, what can I, what can I do from this experience? How can I be helpful? How can I move forward? How can I honor mm-hmm. that person? Um, you know, and there are so many ways to do that too, um, which we can talk about it. But I don't want to move mm-hmm. off of this moment of redeem the loss. I think that's, I think that's pretty powerful. Thank you. Well, I think we're all in our own way needing to take a look at that because now I'm not saying, um, 
you know, when I say the choices we make about how to handle our pain, we're going to be shattered. I mean, when Mike died, I was pretty a, a train wreck for months. I mean, it was hard to even get up out of bed. But at some point, I decided that I got to move forward. I've got children. I had a couple grandbabies and I wanted to do something to redeem the loss. How do I help other people that are perhaps facing uh, something this intense to make it through? Right. I say it a little differently. I say it, you know, when, when is it time and I'm not placing the time frame on anybody, but when does it become time now to live again and live again, honoring the love and the memory? You know, they, they don't, living again doesn't mean that you're moving on and forgetting. For example, we had a woman in our group and she said, you know, after grieving for a year, I realized I lost a year of life with my children and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And I decided I needed to live again and be present for them. Beautiful. And her work was really, how does she do that? Not letting go of his memory and how to honor him moving forward in her life. Yeah, it's the and both, right? It doesn't have to be an either or. Exactly. And really, I think we can be, you know, moving through the suffering, right? While, you know, and holding our pain while still moving toward growth. Yeah. And one of the things sometimes that we'll ask in group is, you know, what, what is it about your person that you want to take and move forward with in your own life? Like, what was that quality that, that you loved? And, and how are you going to take that quality and manifest it in your own life? Whatever mm. it was. And we got um, response from there was a, a young woman whose mother was a, a, a chronic reader. And so she reached out to all her friends and she says, you know, let's let's gather all these books, do a book drive and donate the books to the library in honor of my mother's name. For her, that was a very powerful way of moving forward. You know, for others, it was like, you know, my my person was just so kind. And so this I want to be that kind person. Mm. You know? and so they're really looking to incorporate that quality that they loved in their own being. Mm. And and how beautiful is that when you think about it? That is, it's so beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk a minute about how we might, for those who have lost a spouse and a remaining parent, and they have say younger children, you know, eight, 10, I write about it in my book, Surviving Suicide Loss, obviously, but it's a different, it's a different sign, you know, like just grief in general. What do you recommend in terms of a parent telling children? Because, again, this is a pivotal point. I always like to look at what myths people have bought into about how to grieve. So if mom has come from a family that says, you don't talk about it, this is private, uh, you know, stop the loss, replace the loss, all of these things that we kind of you know, we're well-meaning doing it. It's just, we give our kids belief systems to live out of that may prevent them from doing the necessary grief work because they're holding on to these myths about grief. Oh, don't be sad. People want won't want to be around you. 
Yeah, that's not true. So what do we do with all this? Yeah, well, first off, um, I, I think language is very important. And we can go and dive into a bit of that. Um, there was something that you said that um, people tend to not approach the subject of grief with others, and especially children, because they're deemed to be resilient, as if not saying anything is going to make the person forget that their person died. What I mean by that is, you know, if somebody doesn't want to ask me about my father because they're afraid that they're not going to know what to do with my emotions, if I swell up, I'm going to swell up thinking about my father anyway. Someone not approaching me with that conversation is not going to is not going to make me forget that I had a father die, I had a sister die, I had a mother die. I mean, all these people have died in my life. Not talking about them is not going to make me forget that they died. I hope I'm making sense there. Yeah, you're absolutely making sense because that's one of the things we believe, you know, let's just not talk about it and then we won't be sad. Yeah, or we won't remind them that they're sad and grieving. Right. <laughs> I didn't forget I'm sad and Yeah, and, and so it's really not about you. It's about them because they're worried about what they're going to do with your sadness. Exactly. And really, I mean, for those listening that are walking alongside someone who's grieving, take the onus off yourself. It's not your response. All you have to do is be present, emotionally attuned and available. You don't have to fix us. Yeah. A gentle hand on the shoulder. You know, listening, being attuned, making eye contact, maybe a hug. That's all that's needed. You don't have to have some, you know, 15 minute speech that's going to cure or fix them because it's not. They just need your presence. For dear friends who have had a person, a significant person in their life die, I reach out every year on birthdays, death anniversaries anniversaries, whatever it may be, and just say, I'm thinking about you. I know it must be a difficult day today. Yeah. You know, just just the acknowledgement. And that goes so far in 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 friendship and 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 feeling understood. It it's just it's it's huge. But but let's go back to, to kids. So here here we go. Uh society will usually say, oh, he was so sick he died. Okay, now think of a child who all of a sudden um, someone dies because they were so sick. And then mom comes down with a bad cold. Oh, I'm so sick. The child is terrified that the mother is going to die because she is so sick. Because the experience is, oh, my God, so sick, die. Means, yeah, the meaning I attach to that is death. Exactly. So I invite your listeners with children who may have um, experienced a death loss to change out that word illness or terminal illness. Give the word what it really is. They, their body was very sick and they couldn't recover or their body was very ill. Whatever words you use, differentiate between the two. I have, I'm sick, I have a cold, and I'm sick, I died. Differentiate the words. Um, the, the other thing I think is really important is that children really do understand that death is final. And nobody's coming back. They didn't go to a better place. 
because then the, then the question is, oh, well, why can't we go there? Or, or they'll come well, back to when visit. When will they come yeah. back? Exactly. You know, oh, well, we don't know. We're there in heaven. Well, what's heaven? Why, why can't we go? Mm-hmm. The, the direct language that we invite our members to share is their body died. Their body stopped working. It was too ill. It couldn't work anymore. You know, so when I get a call, the, you know, the follow it through. When I get a cold and I'm, it, it's not because my body is going to stop working. So I think those things, language is really, really important. I, I, personally believe the children should be at a funeral because it is more of a appreciation of finality as opposed to hope of of return. Mm. Um, I think that helps in the grieving process as difficult as that is. I mean, we're parents, we want to shelter our children from the reality. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the reality is very necessary for them to begin their own journey and to ask questions that they're 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 curious about where we can help them along the way. As far as that that stoic, you know, oh well, I'm not going to cry because I don't want to see, I don't want my child to see me cry. Well, what's wrong with feeling sad over someone you love no longer being present? There you go. That's another <laughs> myth that people buy into. The normal response to a loss is grief, and that shows up as crying and sadness. So I'm responsive to that when it occurs, and then you know, through this idea of pendulation, I'm going to shift, right? I'm not going to be, you know, sitting there for eight hours every day, you know, in this state of, of of hysteria. But I think that the other thing that really comes up for me with this thing with kids is, well, we're not going to talk about it. Mom, I've got to be strong. But if you've got to talk about it because they're going to hear it somewhere else. And you want them to hear it from you. You want, per, you yes. want it put your values into this conversation and not the um, insensitivity that others may um, bring into the conversation. Mm. You know, I wonder, Fran, uh, with with current events and the anxiety of disasters and, uh, you know, kids are exposed to a lot of these things. And, you know, you look at the school shootings and things along that line. Uh, whether it's a crime or a weather event or whatever it is, uh, and whether it happened next door or 2,000 miles away, is it appropriate for people to seek help with grief on those issues? And uh, are these teachable moments? I think they're very teachable moments. I think they're moments where we can teach compassion and we can talk about you know, we're so grateful it didn't happen here and that we're not personally affected by it. But can you imagine what those people there are going through and and lives that may have been lost and how that may have impacted their own individual lives and, and present compassion into the conversation as opposed to, oh, well, you know, it, it happened there. It didn't affect me. No worry for me. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's really important to use them as teaching moments. And, and, and when I say teaching moments, again, human moments, human moments, um, life moments, you know, every day in life isn't ha ha rah rah, you know, and, and, you know, how, how can we support them? It's not just about sending a check, which is great and helpful. But what else can we do to support them? Have the empathy. 
I think we're really losing in this in this new world a lot of human humanity and empathy. You right. Know, especially, especially for children when they're watching, you know, actors and actresses on TV getting shot and killed, and then you know, a week or two later they see them in another show. Death has no concept of finality at that point. Or computer games or whatever else, uh, with those, uh, those things that numb our senses. And they numb our grief, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm, you know, the video games where you go and bang and shoot them up and run them over and, and all these things, I think, really are creating a, 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 a society that lacks the compassion and sensitivity. And um, that's another reason that makes what we do so rewarding. Yeah, it's a travesty. We really, I just love how you keep coming back to, it's a unique journey. What may take some persons a year or two to go through something may take somebody else three. So what? We're all you- for, for us, it takes a lifetime. Yes, I, I like agree. you said, Rita. Doesn't mean you're grieving every moment of every day, right? It's it's a lifetime. Grief is that little little you know tap on your shoulder on mm-hmm. you know certain life events, life life cycles that are like, oh, I wish they were here. I know. I have those quite often. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Your kids grow up and grandkids, grandkids, and, and all of that, and he's not here for that. Um, yeah. I have this really great. I don't know if you've ever. Uh, seen the jar of grief exercise. So it's really beautiful. Richard, do I have time to quickly explain that? Yeah, please go. So it's three jars. Like if you can think of three Mason jars and inside of each jar is like a red ball of yarn. And in the first jar, okay, the jar represents my world and the first jar is small. So they incrementally get bigger, the three jars. So in the first jar, my grief is so all consuming that I can't move. I can't breathe. I can't talk or think about anything. And then in time, my world expands a little bit. Grief still the same. It hasn't changed size. My world's enlarged a bit. Maybe I make new friends in a grief group. Maybe I move. Maybe I, you know, go to a meetup group. Uh, Maybe I, you know, I do whatever I'm doing. And so the grief is still present, but it's not as all consuming. I can move around it a bit. And then finally, the last jar, okay, is bigger. And so the grief doesn't take up every waking moment of my world. And it's still there, still the same size. I've just found a place to put it so that I can move around it and function and enjoy life. It's just a really cool metaphor for people to, because, you know, the, the whole point, and I loved it so much because so many people were saying the move on and, you know, just all of this stuff. And I felt like, or, or they would say to me, Oh, you're doing so good. And I felt like that was almost like saying, well, I didn't love Mike enough. I'm doing so good. Well, you don't know really how I'm doing. Like that you might be curled up at night in bed in tears. Yeah. And so this was like, well, no, the grief hasn't changed sizes. Maybe I've just started to move around it a little bit because I'm trying to move forward and redeem the loss. That's uh, that's a a good way to end uh, this 
part of the show, and um, I'm really very grateful uh, for what Fran Solomon is doing uh, with uh, her organization. Fran, uh, how do people get in touch? Thank you so much. So HealGrief.org is our website. Um, We have a multitude of programs on HealGrief.org, our Let's Talk Death podcast. We have Actively Moving Forward and the Actively Moving Forward app, which is a community of people who are grieving. Although anybody can download the app on their device to be part of the community and to interact with the community, everybody must register to do so. We want to know who our community members are. Um, and once registered, um, our registered members have access to virtual grief support, all of our resources. Um, all of this is free of charge. We truly um, do our best to embody the meaning of nonprofit. The only um, charge that anyone would be asked for is if they wanted to hire our um, grief coach. Um, that would be a one-on-one session, but everything really is within the app. It's a it's a walking community with you, um, and people uh, find lifelong friends in there. And and whether somebody comes back or not after they find that lifelong friend, we've done our job. We've connected two people who can journey together mm-hmm. through their experiences, and we have groups for child loss, spousal loss, sibling loss, um, a few other. We have general loss. Um, So you can really find ways to connect with others who are going through a very similar loss and from a very similar time, because we also have people that um, put in their year of death. So if you're 10 years out, you can actually look for others who are 10 years out in their grief um, because you're in a very different place um, than someone who is newly bereaved. So that's actively moving forward. It's the actively moving forward ad better known as AMF and, um, on healgrief.org, you can find ways to register and become a member. I think Rita, you need to come out with a sequel called redeeming grief to shattered. Uh, It all sounds great, Fran. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Keep it up and God bless you. Thank you so much for having me really appreciate being on. That's Fran Solomon, the CEO and founder of HealGrief.org. And Rita Schulte, of course, author of Shattered. For more, go to RitaSchulte.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-T-E. Before we go, here's Rita with another renewable resource we call Consider This. I'm Richard Beatty. Have a great week.